Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of Epic Fantasy Romance. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Oh, delightful. Today is Monday, February 26th, and an exciting day for me here in Jeffy Land uh, because the official announcement is out or coming out. It's in Publishers Marketplace for my book that I sold to tour. So there will be burbling about that today. Um, I think I told you all, I don't remember what I told you all already. I know I've been dropping lots and lots of hints, but so like, here's the full deal, right? Um, it is the book that I've been calling Onira. I did get a question of why it had been called Onira. Uh, that is the name of the protagonist. Uh, she is a sorceress and she is an Oniramancer, meaning that she does magic through dreams. And this is the book that I was uh, partly inspired by Sandman. Uh, but let me read you the deal announcement that will tell you a lot. I'm also putting it, it's going to be everywhere. Uh, but here you go. Um, increasing it. Okay, so, and then I'll explain everything. Uh Never the Roses by Jennifer K. Lambert, imprint Tor Fatsi Clever. Jeffy Kennedy writing as Jennifer K. Lambert's Never the Roses, pitched as This is How You Lose the Time War Meets the Forgotten Beasts of Eld, in which the world's most powerful sorceress reflects on her atrocities in exile as she awaits her death. When she impulsively steals from her nemesis, they begin an unlikely correspondence. But when their warring kingdoms call for aid, they must choose between life, death, and love. To Ali Fisher at Tor in a six-figure deal in a preempt in a two-book deal for publication in summer 2025 by Sarah Younger at Nancy Yost Literary, Literary Agency World English. Writes also to Fazi Italy by Roberta Oliva of Nicoli, Natoli Stefan and Oliva and Clever Russian Federation by Julia Timchenko of the Van Leer Agency. Translation rights show Potenka at Nancy Yost Literary Agency. So, yay! Uh, it's so exciting. So, let me answer some questions. Um, just go through this. For those of you who like don't know how deal announcements work, uh, we did go back and forth uh, with Agent Sarah. She puts it together, makes sure that Editor Allie is good with everything. Then it gets submitted to Publishers Marketplace, who often does some minor tweaks also. And then they publish these. And this is um, a record of the reason the agent does it is because it's largely a record of agent sales. So a common piece of advice to writers who are wanting to sell to to traditional publishing is to look at Publishers Marketplace. You can get a subscription and you can see which agents are selling what kinds of books to what editors, exactly as in this deal announcement. So um, category sci-fi fantasy has the deal report date, February 23rd. That was the date that Sarah submitted it. Never the Roses is the title we settled upon. It's a um, comes from a line in the book that was it was never about the roses. Allie suggested that title and we all loved it. 
Um, and it is by Jennifer K. Lambert. So this is my new pen name. Obviously, it is what we call a transparent pen name. In fact, the publisher's marketplace thing says Jeffy Kennedy writing as Jennifer K. Lambert. So sometimes a pen name is uh, presented as completely obscure. It is, uh, you know, you, you wouldn't have known. It would have been uh, a debut novel by Jennifer K. Lambert, which I think I've told you folks before happens all the time. Um, in fact, there are sometimes people having conversations about it saying, you know, it's amazing that this debut novel is so good. It's so rich and complex. I can't believe it's a, de a debut novelist. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, might not be <laughs> a debut. It's debut for the name. Uh, so Sarah did, uh, well, she just says Jeffy Kennedy writing as Jennifer K. Lambert. Oh, I have to go do cat rescue. Hold on mo one moment. So it's, um, well, cat is rescued, untangled. Uh, it is a little bit of a sleight of hand. We're doing it for a couple of reasons. When we went out on submission with this book, Sarah suggested we do it under a pseudonym um, to sort of get people to give a fresh look to my work uh, because I've been very mid-listy. And, you know, no shame in that. Most authors are, which is why it's the middle. Uh, but what this does is it sort of takes away the preconceived ideas an editor might have. So she was very vague about it. She just said, Jennifer K. Lambert is a CIFLA member. Um, and we didn't say much more about who I was. That's a little bit of an in-joke because if you know, um, in order to be a CIFLA member, you do have to have professional sales. So that was a little bit of a hat tip to not really a full deb debut novelist. Um, and and Debbie Palliator commented on that. She said, yeah, we had a feeling. <laughs> um, but they like the name. We spent a lot of time thinking about the name. Oh, additional cat rescue. He's not happy out this morning. So Sarah and I spent time thinking up the name. Uh, there are good reasons for the name. I don't know if I'll explain them or not. I will say that Lambert is a family name. Uh, so... I felt like I kind of wanted a name that I was, I don't want to say entitled to, but, but yeah, uh, it's a couple generations back, but, you know, giving a little nod to my, to my ancestors, as it were. Um, so uh, the other reason that we're keeping it is, well, there's a couple um, to give that same fresh feel to the booksellers. Uh, that this is not someone that they have heard of before. It's also to communicate to the to all of you that this is a slightly different story. It's um, it's really more of a fantasy than a romance, although the romance is a big part of it. Uh, I should probably read you the wonderful quote that Maria Vale gave me on it, but let's finish this first. All right, so. Uh, Jennifer, Jeffy Kennedy, writing as Jennifer K. Lambert, Never the Roses, uh, pitched as This is How You Lose the Time War Meets the Forgotten Beasts of Eld. And, you know, we always do those comps. It's, um, yeah, it's 
it, it, those are good comps. <laughs> I, I don't think I need to say more than that. Um, sometimes the comps are, you really wonder how they came up with them. In this case, yeah. Um, in which the world's most powerful sorceress reflects on her atrocities in exile as she awaits her death. When she impulsively, impulsively steals from her nemesis, they begin an unlikely correspondence. But when their warring kingdoms call for aid, they must choose between life, death, and love. All pretty self-explanatory. To Allie Fisher at Tor, executive editor at Tor. Allie's been great. Um, she loves this book so much, and she's been amazing to work with. I already did revisions, and she, um, yeah, she had such great insights, making the book better. Uh, Six-figure deal in a preempt. Um, a preempt means that there were several editors interested in the book, and we could have gone to auction. Auction is when there's a bunch of different people who want it, and just like any auction, they put out bids, and you kind of stoke the fires and hope to get more and more money. And um, this was on a Friday afternoon, and Allie wanted the book. <laughs> And she said, uh, is this, a, we, we had an hour long meeting where we talked about the book and talked about ideas, probably um, verifying that I wasn't a crazy person, all of these things. And in many ways, Allie made a pitch for why she was the right editor for the book, which was really fun. And so then we hung up and Sarah immediately called me and said, okay, now we just need her to make an offer. So I went to report to David on uh, how the call it went. And by the time I came back, Sarah had texted me about 10 times and called uh, because I guess it took me a while. I didn't think I was gone that long, but she's like, where are you? Um, and we had an offer. And Allie said, is this enough money to take it off the table? It's kind of like the buy it now button. Uh, no more auction. We just want to buy it now. And dear reader, it was enough money. So that's what a preempt is. We're preempting the auction. Two book deal. Um, we will talk about what the second book is, but it's not yet written. Uh, but that's really nice. Somebody was commenting to me, why are they seeing all two book deals these days instead of three book deals? I think there's a couple of reasons. Um, the person who asked me, the author who asked me said, is it because traditional publishing doesn't want to commit to three books? And I think that that's a piece of it. Um, when you have a three book deal, you're really looking three years out, whereas a two book deal is more like two years out. And so it's a little bit, it whittles down the scope, but it's also a better deal for authors because less commitment for us, right? You know, and I think because the market is changing rapidly these days, that gives both sides more room to maneuver. Um, also, this is great for me that it's a two book deal because it means it's the same amount of money, but spread over two books instead of over three. Um, for publication in summer 2025, we have settled on a release date. It'll be August 5th, 2025 uh, by Sarah Younger, my wonderful agent at Nancy Yost Literary Agency, World English. And so when it says World English, uh, that means that they bought the English version of the book to be sold anywhere in the world. Uh, we kept the foreign rights, which is why there is an addition on this 
that we have already sold rights to um, Fozzi in Italy. I don't know if I'm saying these right. And Clever uh, in Russia. And the translation rights are sold by our foreign rights agent at the Nancy Yost Literary Agency. Uh, Cheryl Patenka does that. So, uh, and we're hoping more foreign rights are coming. So, and, and somebody had asked me, how does that work? Uh, so these are other publishers, a Italian publisher and a Russian publisher. So they are another publisher like Tor or Berkeley or, you know, like what have you. And then they hire a translator to translate the book and then they publish it and put their own cover on it and everything. It's just as if it, it's basically parallel to Tor bought this book and they're going to publish it. Fatsi bought the book and they're going to publish it. It's just that they're doing it in Italian. So, and that cool. Very exciting to have that out. Um, I'm trying to think of things that I skipped over saying that I said I could explain later. And I can't think of what they were now. This is the disadvantage of me just talking to my own face instead of having you remind me or be able to ask me questions live. Um, yeah, so revision is done. Uh, Ali says she had looked it over and that it looked good. Um, she said she loved what she saw so far, lots of O's and B's. So, and she thinks that our next phase will be copy edits. So what that means is, is that she's probably just suggesting line edits at this point. She's not asking for any more uh, developmental or substantive changes. She didn't ask for a lot the first time. It was mostly um, deepening and expanding, which is like me. I'm always doing that uh, on edits. So it's exciting to have this news out in the world. I was just looking at my other notes. Um, a couple things. I watched the movie, The Eternals, um, Marvel Universe. I think I mentioned that John Barr, Eastern New Mexico University, uh, I think I mentioned it on Friday, had sent me a very interesting article um, about that movie being panned and how one of the actors in the movie had actually sought out therapy because he was so impacted by people saying terrible things about the movie that it affected him emotionally and it's sort of in line for with some of the things that I've been talking about, you know, that uh, we much as creators try to separate ourselves from our creations. It's not always that simple. And, uh, and the thick skin metaphor just doesn't work for me. Um, it's if you are creative, you are sensitive to the world and you don't want to, uh, thick skin, right? When I think of someone with a thick skin, um, you know, frankly, I, I think of like the MAGA types, you know, like these crusty old white guys getting on the news and saying how America needs a dictator. Um, I, I think of people who are incapable of compassion. I think of people who are so thick skulled, they can't appreciate art. Uh, and maybe I should not sound so scathing about that. I'm wrapping it up into politics. I think sometimes people just don't have that ability. Uh, but that's what thick-skinned is to me. Thick-skinned is um, being so caught up inside of your own scaly hide that you're not able to 
um, be open to the world and be open to the experiences of other people. And as creatives, um, we are thin skinned. That's part of being a creative, sensitive human being. Uh, if we were not able to be compassionate about other people, we would have difficulty writing good characters, right? You know, you can't write if you don't understand characters. And this is slightly tangential, but when we talk about someone with a thick skin, uh, I mentioned last week that there was some brouhaha with RWA uh, promoting a workshop on using AI to plot your books. Um, and, and I probably should have said then, I feel like I should add this disclaimer every time that using something like chat GPT or one of these other uh, story generative apps is not really AI. It's not artificial intelligence. It's machine learning language. But uh, somebody just shared this, that apparently the person teaching that class has posted to social media saying, AI is here to stay. You can either learn to churn or plot to rot. L-O-L-O-L. Um, so a charming personality right there, right? Um, yeah, that's what you want to do with your books. If you want to uh, churn out books, uh, you know, I'm not going to stop you. But that does seem like a thick-hided thing to say, right? So thick skin isn't a great metaphor. Um, and I think I came up with one and now I can't remember it, what I thought was a slightly better metaphor. But, you know, it's it's that ability to, to step away from your work um, and, to be, and to understand that everything is subjective and that there are um, assholes out in the world who say things like that and that they are never going to understand your book. Um, every once in a while, this is probably, I don't know if I'm going to regret saying these things. Um, when somebody says, I don't know how this person could have reviewed my book this way or that sort of thing, I'll say, you know, sometimes what I do is I think about uh, the person in my high school who I liked the least, the most annoying uh, the densest, most obnoxious person at my high school, and I imagine them reviewing my book. And that kind of puts it into perspective. You know, like in high school, we kind of had a sense of who people were because it was such a small pond. And when you get out in the world, you forget that, like, some of these people who are voting are, you know, like that one guy who was such an asshole to everybody. Um it kind of, it helps me to think in those terms. Uh, and none of it was you people because that guy would not be listening to this podcast. Um, so anyway, I watched The Eternals because I don't remember even knowing that it came out. You know, people say, oh, so widely panned and all of that. I don't even remember hearing anything about it. So I don't know if the studio, you know, like quietly put it away or what, but it was, it was a good movie. I enjoyed it. I advise you to go watch it. Come in. It's not a classic Marvel universe movie. It is more slowly paced. It is more, 
Um, I don't know. There's lots of fight scenes and stuff in it, but it's more thoughtful. It's more philosophical, maybe. Um, <clears throat> but definitely worth watching. So uh, I think we should all go in, and I'm tempted, as I have been occasionally before, to sign up for IMDb. Uh, I just always use it for free to just so I can go in and rank this movie high. Uh, but I've done it here. So anyway, um, yeah, so that's my big news. Uh, feel free to share it far and wide. Let me know if you have questions. I'm happy to answer questions. And I will talk to you all on Friday. You all take care. Bye-bye.